something that my sister in the movement, Christina Flores, she's our Homies for Justice coordinator, always says that it's a privilege to grow with your sisters and building sisterhood in the movement because oftentimes we're being separated and we go through things and we don't think about like, you have my back as you as I have your back. So I just want to bring that into the air. But I got to learn courage from inside Juvenile Hall in 2017 when I was facing a 200 plus day lockup and we were they were doing an intercession. That's why it's so important for organizations to be connected to their local juvenile hall, wherever you're at or wherever you're listening in, because they made an impact on me. They asked me to do a vision board and nobody has ever asked me in my life how to think a year or five years or two years ahead in your life. What do you see yourself doing? What do you see yourself having? Where do you see yourself going? Family Fund put out a strategy refresh last year in February, and the strategy is focusing on supporting youth-led organizing work, and particularly youth-led organizing towards abolition. And so when we're talking about abolition, we're particularly talking about groups that are working on like ending police in schools, ending youth incarceration, ending foster care. And so we wanted to lift up the work of our grantee partners who are doing organizing work that are working, and particularly youth organizing work, to end these harmful systems. And we also wanted to showcase, because when we, I think when people hear the word abolition, they just think about like tearing things down, dismantling things, but they don't think about the flip side of that, which is, you know, building up a new process or building up kind of a new vision for how things can operate, right? So um, we're talking about ending police in schools, like what would we need in schools to actually have for young people to feel safe in schools? And like, how do we sort of build that. And so that's what we wanted to focus on with this podcast. Today we have with us Sochil Larios, who is the Youth Justice Coordinator at Courage, and Brenda Gomez, who's the Dream Beyond Bars Fellow at Courage. And Courage stands for Communities United for Restorative Youth Justice. So super excited to have both of you join us today. And as this podcast is about abolition and liberation. And so we're going to be talking to you both about the work that you're all doing towards abolition. But before we get into that, I just wanted to ask each of you if you can just tell us a little bit about Courage and what brought you into the work, how you got involved with the organization. They gave me a, a business card. And ever since then, when I finally got out, I was pushed out of Alameda County into Contra Costa County. And they were able to provide me with resources to come every other day to come visit their office. And I once upon a time was part of the Dream Beyond Bars Fellowship. So I do consider myself as an alumni as well. And I had come to learn that Communities United for Restorative Youth Justice is an anchor organization in the Fruitville San Antonio neighborhood area located in Oakland, California and Courage form coalitions and partnerships across the Bay Area to repeal Proposition 21 that successfully ended ganging junctions in Oakland, California. And it initiated the Atslan Beautification Movement, the ABM Movement to spread culture and healing through art. 
there's a lot of folks that come from different places in California, like Barrios Unidos, to come see like the different murals that we were able to beautify our community. And some of the things that are main areas of focus is community healing programs, where our formerly incarcerated staff work on the ground as violence interrupters. We're located in different schools, and I often have the opportunity to bring them into juvenile hall so young folks can see like you've been there, done that, but then now you've had the skills to also interrupt violence and violence doesn't always have to be the response to somebody feeling some type of way towards something or the police like police is often not the response pepper spraying a young person is not the response and we also focus on la cultura cura our our medicine is culture if you connect yourself back to your roots you're able to heal yourself and unlock your leadership and understand like wow like that's what my spirit has been missing we all focus on leadership development that's our dream beyond bars program and we also focus on political action so when our people are experiencing healing and in investment in their leadership, they become unstoppable policy advocates like myself, changing systems, sitting at tables, talking to legislators, talking to city council members, building relationships with Oakland School Boards. Courage was also part of creating a youth advisory council that is a group of young folks that are formerly incarcerated that sit at the table close to probation. So probation can at least have that sense of, okay, where are young people coming from? What do they want to see? Where is the disconnect? Because oftentimes policymakers are at the table and they may have degrees. They forget that the young people that are that have been through it they have the ability to reimagine and think about the different policies that need to be re-implemented, the different programs, the different approaches of how incarceration could be reimagined. Along the way, I invited Brenda to come join me into this movement. Brenda and I, we've been knowing each other from Hayward, California, and I'll let her share a little bit about herself and how she brought herself to Courage. My story is a little different. As Salty had mentioned, we met growing up in the neighborhood and we met once again at Juvenile Hall. So we've been sisters for a long time. Salty introduced me to the movement and to this community. I'm learning a lot, working on different bills. Right now I'm working on ACA 8. It's the End Slavery Act. We hope that in the End Slavery Act, we get to reimagine and strip the slavery where Amendment 13 allows, this is I think our third year or, or second year actually taking a stab at it, where the constitution can be rewritten. And that little, it's just crazy how two sentences is the founder in some form of prisons and jails and that mentality of incarceration. This country allowed Black and brown people to lock up or BIPOC folks to lock up those that are mostly criminalized labels, stereotyped because of just an amendment that has been there years and years and years. So ACAA is very, I'm very proud of Brenda for working on something like that. And it's a very, it's a big thing. These individuals are in there. They're working for 30 cents an hour. And some of them, they don't have family members that could go visit them, that could give them this money just to get a top ramen, a soda, something that looks appetizing. So it's very important. And industry is 
profiting from this mm-hmm. while they're in there just doing mm-hmm. free labor and these huge corporations are just profiting on the backs of these people. Yeah, it's been very important work. I wanted to go back to something you said, Sochil, about reimagining, because part of the the work that I know Courage is doing is reimagining what happens when young people come in contact with the law. And so like creating like a new new structures and sort of a new vision. And so I wonder if you all could speak to that. Like, what do you think instead of prisons for young people, like what did it, what is it, what's the vision that Courage has that you all are working towards? So we do have a very bold goal of ending youth incarceration in Alameda County by 2030. We often, when we think about calling the police or we think about the harm victims, or we think about different forms of just policing, we forget that about prevention work, or we forget about work that we can do to reimagine the juvenile justice system. And for us, reimagining is actually an abolition framework, like the model of our Courage Oscar Grant Power Zone. This is a promising solution to disrupt the cycle of youth in detention facility. This is a community created space to be yourself, to dream beyond bars, where youth can be normalized to stay. They don't have to be criminalized. They don't have to be punished. They don't have to, they can just be themselves. They can be young folks. And also this is an opportunity to bring people together where we feel comfortable, where your space is sacred and you're able to connect back to your roots and you're not able to think about, oh, I have to do like a clean test. If I don't, then I have to get, then I might get locked up again or something like that. So it really has to do with getting land back as well. It's important. Courage has focused and invested so much time and getting land back and making sure that we're going beyond land acknowledgements, but we're also purchasing land. Back in the day, Indigenous people got pushed out from lands. They got stripped from lands. They were being killed. There was a lot of genocide going on. And when we talk about land back, it's really like for the young people to thrive and be themselves, where it's supported with a lot of like life coaches and I know that the city of Richmond was the main big thinker in in inventing a violence prevention model and Oakland was able to follow it, but it really had to take for like policymakers, nonprofit organizations, schools to be like, okay, we're going to put a pause on stop calling police and we're going to invest back into those people who are quote unquote reformed or people who have been there done that and okay I'm gonna go back to my community and tell the homie like what's good don't do that let's do this or when there's a fight that breaks out a lot of the school to prison pipeline they're they'll go to jail or they get locked up like me like I was born and raised in Hayward and I didn't I, I didn't know none of that I used to ditch school because I was hungry I didn't really like the school lunch and Police would be like outside of Hayward High in the back waiting to give you a $100 fine. So police often thinks that if we fine our people, if we ticket our people, like that's a learning lesson. But that's just the and that's just like militaristic thinking, thinking of corporations, that money and just putting fine on us and leaving us in debt and keeping us at the bottom is how we're going to learn. But the people at the bottom are actually the ones who are always rising up it's just reinvesting in the community and seeing what that looks like to us we 
we skip school because we don't like being there. We don't like the system. Then we go outside, we get tickets, citations, and then we go in and out of juvenile hall. It's always that system. We can't ever level up. This will be a safe place where youth can go. They'll be actually provided resources. It's giving CBOs more funding and taking it away from government agencies and to really have a meaningful goal. For example, the Oscar Grant Center, they want to have a cafe that'll give employment to youth, show them how to start their own business. How does that look like? This is a start. It's something small. It's a cafe, but you have the idea how to start the business. And also what's cool about the, the location, there's housing that's going to be built above the center. So Courage is also thinking about securing some of that housing and giving it to some of their youth. The, ones, the people that they employ. Housing is such a big issue in the Bay Area. The cost of living is ridiculous. It's getting gentrified. Even in the job I work at as a, I work for elected official and I could barely afford in this area. It's really hard to sustain a living wage, especially when you have something in your background. You have a felony, you have a misdemeanor, then you can't get a job. So it's ongoing and when you're with Courage, they're also going to give you a life coach. This life coach is going to, what do you need? Housing, food resources. How do you navigate all those systems to get everything you want and be secure? And also the youth and the young adults have a voice of what kind of programs that they want, not just government agencies saying, this is what you need. It's like, no, what do I want? What works for me? That's a, it's a beautiful vision. And I also, so the, I know the Oscar Grant Power Zone is, this could be like a model of what community investment could look like. I wanted to ask a little bit more about, because I, I love how Courage has set this very bold goal of ending youth incarceration in Alameda County by 20, was it 2030? Yeah, um, 2030. So I wanted to ask about that too. What do you all think it would take to get to, to, to achieve that goal? Like what are the different pieces. Obviously, community investment is a big piece, but there's a lot of resistance, right, to decarceration, a lot of resistance to not incarcerating young people. And so what are some of the things that you all feel are like pieces that have to be part of this work that has to be put in place to reach that goal? I think some pieces for me is trusting community expertise. We honor intersectionality. We demand bountiful investments and just raising awareness, talking to your grandmothers, talking to different schools. That's why Courage is a movement organization. At the end of the day, like we know that power building and building people power is essential and important. That's what our campaign is about. Our Jim Beyond Bars campaign is making sure that we also have a youth summit coming up on, on September 27, where we're going to ask young folks, like, what are we missing? Come to the table. Let us know what we're missing. Would you like to work with us type of vibe um, and just receive feedback from young folks? Because this is a community led campaign. The work is already being done in so different forms, like different organizations are doing the same similar work. So I, I don't want to say, oh, Courage is the is only doing the work. There's a lot of organizations in Alameda County doing the work. So it's just building with those folks. That's when it's important that we center coalition spaces 
It also takes looking at models that already work that are stepping stones to that. Like for example, me and 12 other former foster youth that have already aged out of foster care, we successfully passed a, a net growth pilot program that folks aging out of foster care, 21 to 24 um, can get $1,000 for at least two years to a year to help them transition out of foster care. So we're looking at universal basic income. We know that when you give people the basic needs, money, they won't go to the underground street economy. When you reinvest dollars away from government agencies and back to community, we're talking about mom and pop caregiving 101 organization practices, political education, how, what was the roots? What is Oakland history? What is Hayward history? What is Livermore history? Because everything has its history. So what are models out there that are radical and that we can speak to other folks that believe in jail or detention or different punitive approaches to let them know, hey, this is possible. There's models out there. Are you with it or not? A lot of times, a lot your regular person will think if a young person gets locked up, that's enough for a victim because they're getting justice. But did you know that it takes $700,000 to lock up a young person? And do you know the root of the crime or the reason why the person? And so we're looking at a bill, 11, AB 1186, the Repair Act. It's by Abanta. It already passed the Public Safety Committee, but we're looking at how can victims receive how can they feel whole again by also receiving the compensation that they need versus waiting on the young person to pay, which at the end of the day, it's another debt on a young person after they already served jail time, after they already have a felony on their sentence. So it's like even models like that, where it's like, hey, did you know like we're fighting for something like this? It's possible. A, an idea, a regular person's idea can become a bill idea. So I think that's what, I think for me, that's what it will take. I think any system is scared of change. They don't want change. I will be honest. I think it's going to take a lot of work for us to get to our goal. We just need to invest more into the community. We just got to see how we're going to strategize to get all that general funding into the community. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I also yeah. think we need champions. We need people to believe in us and believe in the youth voice. So that's another thing that I've noticed. If there's people in elected officials that are down to think radical, let's get it. Like for real. So we need also some champions at the state level, even the federal level. Like what's good? <laughs> You all talked about listening to young people and opportunities to bring more young people into this work. Can you talk a little bit about how Courage does that? How do you all, what are some ways that like young people find out about the organization, get involved? Um, how are some of the ways that you're working to build power with BIPOC youth in the community? One of the things that I've learned to build power is one, be at the table. Don't go, don't be scared to go back to your local juvenile hall. Don't be scared to send all these emails, build your resume and believe in your story because your story is who makes you who you are or somebody else will tell it for you. I really feel like also when you go back to your local juvenile hall, even at the courts, build a flyer, build your own initiative. If you're at high school and you feel like there's an issue of immigration, homelessness, feminism, LGBTQ, 
health justice, mental health justice, like whatever the issue is, like tap into another person and build a group. So that's often what our Homies for Justice has been doing. Christina and Serge have been doing a phenomenal job by teaching the young folks how to build power in their local schools, how to build legislative power and look and knowing you also have backup. And the legislators usually tell us, like, we need to hear from you. I want to know what's going on at your local county or your local school so I know how to implement policy better. Because they're, like Brenda's saying, they're going off research. They're going off data. But what about participatory research? What about research where it's like, hold on, we're telling our own lives to our folks versus somebody with a degree telling our lives and our data for us. What would liberation look like for you and for your community? I think liberation for me in a world without prisons and jails is thinking about self-care. I think self-care is a claim to liberation because we don't think about the complex relationship we have with ourselves versus what the world or society wants us to be or how they use us or want to use us. And we start feeling ashamed of our appearance, our body image, our relationship choices, even the way we feel or how we say things. I know I struggled with that because when I was charged with a really bad crime, I felt like I had to be somebody else because I will be stereotyped or labeled. And that to me was personal because I was scared to talk about what had happened because there was people that were conservative and I know they would have looked at me as a bad person, but courage has allowed me to heal. Self-care is a tool for liberation because you're able to cry, allow yourself to heal, go through what you have to go through while investing in your healing. Courage has taught me like trauma can come back, but if you take care of yourself, it shouldn't be a luxury. It should be an everyday thing. And our nine to five culture, grind culture doesn't allow us to do that. So to me, that has been liberating because I did have to grow up fast. I did have to co-parent with my mom. So to me, I think that's liberating for other young folks to feel like that and not to feel like, oh, I don't, another therapist, another guidance clinic person. So it's really tapping into other intersectionalities of individuals to also believe what we're saying. So that also is another form of liberating. That's why I mentioned earlier that participatory research and being researchers of our own lives is extremely liberating and natural because we get to present to these systems our data and our perspectives and stuff like that. Society has a lot of expectations on young people and oftentimes they put us in a box and they often say, I have kids too. I know how to respond to a young person if they're doing this and that. I really would ask our audience to be open to unlearning, to learn new and innovative ways. And expectation should be removing barriers for young people to dream beyond bars and thrive in an authentic, genuine way that is in relationship to their home don't be scared to do new things and get out of your comfort zone and so she said just keep learning i'm still learning i'm happy to be doing this work i'm surrounded by amazing minds that their work is meaningful and that motivates me every day you can make change in any way you can and want to so just you can start it however you want <laughs>